no matter where you're from or what language you speak, you all go through the same emotions every day. You get angry, you get frustrated, you get happy, you're sad. Um, and so I think empathy and kindness might sound corny, but that's something I find everywhere. Ausher, the global head of customer experience at Notion, is a seasoned leader with over 12 years of experience building, scaling, and transforming high-performing global teams. I am so excited to speak with Emma today. She's originally from France, and Emma is a multilingual expert who has led teams across Europe, Asia, and the United States. So in this episode, we'll explore the unique challenges and nuances that come with working in the U.S. as a European, including navigating imposter syndrome, adjusting language barriers, and providing effective leadership to diverse teams from different parts of the world. Thank you for joining us today, Emma. Thank you so much, Janine. What a what an intro. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you today. Me too. And personally, it's like it, it's something that I'm also going through. So I'm like really, really excited to dig into this topic. Um, to start, just a little background on you and to get your insight. You've worked and studied in France and now in the U.S., what are some of the notable differences that you've seen in work culture between the two countries and how have you adapted to these? Yeah, that's a good question. Look, I think it's not just the two countries, it's also several different industries, right? Mm -hmm. And so you look at the nuances between the industries I worked in within one country and then you had a couple other continents and then there is a very specific location. I mean, in the US, I'm in San Francisco, which is a tech bubble. Um, that is very forward thinking and very liberal and um, very much open minded, I would say. And so you take that into, into consideration when you're looking at all of the differences. Um, I started in hospitality back in Europe. Uh, and I remember my first move to the US was also in hospitality. I remember thinking that um, the way that we interacted with customers were so very different. I remember thinking in France, I was working for luxury hotels. And um, we were like mostly right. And the customers was not the king always um, versus in the U.S. where the customer was king and we were always wrong. And so that was like a big change for me. We were comping everything. We were just like, I'm sorry, you have a small dis you have a small disagreement or um, you're dissatisfied with something that is out of our control. Here's the night for you, the night free for you. So um that was kind of like my first introduction. Um, and then afterwards, like switching throughout other industries, I've definitely experienced many nuances. Can you give us like a rundown of the different parts of the world that you had experience yeah. working with? And then sure. go into like how you, you manage them. For sure. Um, I was born in Africa. First of all, I was born in Ivory Coast. Uh, my parents were expats there. So I, I lived the first few years of my life there. Um, my mom's from Cameroon, my dad's from France. So we come from a, just a diverse family to begin with. Um, we moved to France when I was a kid. So I went to school there, um, college, college a little bit in the U.S. as well and in Germany. Um, I started my career in France. I moved to the U.S. Uh, a few years later, stayed for a little while, then moved to Asia in Hong Kong um, specifically for a few years and then moved back to San Francisco 
I don't know, like, I, I want to say five years ago. Um, you something can like even that. keep yeah. track anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to look at I need to look at the dates to remember, well, but um, we yeah. can follow that up later. But I mean, when it comes to diversity, you're the one to talk to, and that's why I was so excited. But like, with all the differences, are there things and and or strategies or things about human behavior and and the workplace that kind of cuts through to all the the different cultures that you've experienced? That's a really good question. I will say, um, no matter where you're from or what language you speak, you all go through the same emotions every day. You get angry, you get frustrated, you get happy, you're sad. Um, and so I think empathy and kindness might sound corny, but that's something I find everywhere, as well as the opposite emotions that are less comfortable. Um, and yeah, regardless of the cultures, you're going to adapt your style or your leadership or your processes to a different culture or a different country, but right. we're all humans at the end of the day. And that's kind of what binds us together. That's really interesting because like, that's the topic that's popping up now all the time. And it's now that we're all remote and diverse, like people are demanding more empathy from, from leadership. So yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you said that. It might sound corny, but to me, I feel like it's also you know reality. Um, so can you share some of the key strategies that you use to create and build successful, inclusive teams? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. It's um it's hard. I'll start by saying that it's when you're working with distributed teams that speak different languages that support different portions of your customer base. Um, you have to adapt. You want to be inclusive. You want to make sure that everybody has access to everything. And it's it's not just humanly possible. Like there's too many time zones. Not everybody can sit in one meeting. So I think depending on what your, what your team's makeup look like, I think you have different ways to look at it. Um, being as inclusive as possible means I think making everything available to everyone in their own time is making sure that everybody has access to the same support, to the same tools, to the same systems, um, not necessarily all at the same time, right? And so that can go through having really strong leaderships in region, really strong support systems in the region that can go through having um, touch points where your whole team gets together at least a couple of times a year that can go through... Um, making sure that you're facilitating communication and just for people to create a bond through one-one settings, through just teams, um, intra-teams meetings and things like that. So lots of things that we can do to just make it easier for people to connect and to feel included. Um, but it's it's a hard thing to do. Do you have like a favorite example or, or initiative that you, you put in place? To make sure this happens, or a tool, even. <laughs> I, my, I mean, I have one that's really fresh because I just had um, my teams offsite a couple of weeks ago, so everybody flew out to San Francisco, and we're all together for a week uh, with a series of like working sessions and brainstorming and bonding activity and boat rides and dinners and all that, all that good stuff. And so um, I see a tangible difference after these meetings because people get to connect, to see each other in person, to have interactions that are just different than you would have through Zoom. 
And after that, they feel more, much more comfortable reaching out to each other or they have a common understanding of, oh, well, I'm doing this, but is this inclusive or can my friend in Korea um, actually access this? I'm going to make sure that they can. So you see that there is a lot more empathy and just a lot more um, mindfulness around like how to include each other. Nice. I mean, like for our team too, we're we're very small compared to you guys for sure. But like the first, my first few weeks, I was able to meet the entire team and it just changed the whole, you know, work dynamic between everyone because you've met each other in person and, you know, you've had these conversations and you have memories together and it just transforms like everything. But one other thing we're going through that I wanted to ask you about is the the differences in in languages. So with communication being key in any team, and it's already complex when you're speaking the same language. Now we have teams that are, you know, like they don't have the same native languages. So what tips do you have for managers and leaders who need to communicate with a diverse and global team? That's an interesting one because in the case of Notion, because we're a U.S. company, mm-hmm. all of our workforce speak English. So even if it's not their first language, we require a certain level of English so we can all communicate. So that makes it easier for global conversations, of mm-hmm. course. Um, that being said, I've worked in places where the staff doesn't speak English, especially when I was in Asia, um, managing different part of Southeast Asia that didn't necessarily speak English or at a lower level of proficiency. Um, and in these situations, you adapt a different strategy. I think it's very important to have very strong leaders in your regions that do speak your language and that can translate for you. And when I mean translate, I don't just mean the words, but I mean the meaning, the culture, and really adapt to the market. So you want people that can advise you on how your strategy can be applied to a certain region. So that's super important. Um, When your entire workforce speaks English, I think you still need to have that. Um, Even though you can communicate to everyone, you really need to have local experts to guide you and to make sure that the team feels supported based on their specific needs. Right. It's so different in different parts of the world. So you need someone that knows how to, like, I don't communicate and provide the support, right? That um that, that actually feel is is appropriate. Um but with the difference in cultures and coming from different places and walks of life and you know different types of learning, um, there's now this imposter syndrome that everyone is talking about, and it's a common experience for a lot of people. But um, do you think that, in your experience, being from a different country or, or culture makes it worse or makes you suffer from it more? That's an interesting question because I think imposter syndrome can be triggered by pretty much anything, right? It mm-hmm. comes from your insecurities, right? And so if you're insecure about your accent or being from another country or being younger or being a woman, all of this is going to kind of play into your insecurities and show up in the workspace in the yeah, in the workspace as imposter syndrome. So um, I have definitely struggled with imposter syndrome throughout my career. Um, I think it's something that will stay with me forever in some form of fashion. And um, being from a different country sometimes has had advantages and disadvantages. Um, I've never really felt 
that not being native was playing into it, I believe, because I think like if I spend my whole day speaking a language that I had to learn, I think you can meet me halfway. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I won't feel, I won't feel insecure about that, but I felt insecure about other facets of my personality or just who I am. And, um, and I've had to work through that a lot. so how have you learned to overcome that? Saying that this is something that you might, you know, have to deal with every now and then. Yeah. I mean, I got a lot of help, Janine. <laughs> I didn't do it on my own and I absolutely applaud people that do. Um, I have a really strong support system. I have a really supportive husband. I have friends in and outside of work that I can talk to, that listen, that I can listen to, that I can learn from. I have an executive coach. I have a therapist. Um, I've had great leaders. I've had, you know, other leaders, but like mostly I've learned from the ones that were great. And um, I've been able to kind of overcome things. Um, And so there is also, I believe, a part of growing up, right? A few years ago when I entered my 30s, I think I started learning a lot more about myself and letting go of the things that matter a little less. Um, and you just like, you're just growing up, you're just maturing, you're just learning about the world and just absorbing so many experiences that play into how you feel about yourself and, and the world around you. Um, so, so I think there is like a little bit of everything. Um, but if I, if I have to pick a few things, I would say growth, like self-reflecting and just having a growth mindset, always, um, getting help, getting help and getting support. I encourage everyone always to do that. Um, and then, you know, just being being aware that this is going to be a constant feeling, right? I, I thought I was out of the wood and then I had a baby and a whole lot of other insecurities came, came about. So I think oh it's just goodness. being aware that your entire life, you're going to struggle with some feelings and some insecurities and just like having some mechanism to remind yourself um, what you're, what you're working towards, and what you're worth, really. I want to ask about the motherhood aspect a little bit later, and congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, but I just want to like close off the imposter syndrome topic by saying, like, you are now one of the the great leaders. Like, you're you're managing a team, and they look up to you. And um, as you say, support is really important. Going through um, this feeling, how do you help support your your team when they're going through imposter syndrome? Yeah. Well, I encourage everybody to get help. So the first step um, is to is to say it or is to really reach out. And I think being vulnerable this way and being able to say, "Hey, I'm feeling this way, and I don't know how to overcome it." It's it's a hard thing to do. Um, and so fostering a culture of transparency and honesty and vulnerability is, I think, the first step so that people can feel safe and comfortable actually coming forward with the way that they're feeling. Um, and once they do that, I think there is a few things that we can do. I always try to get to the root cause of things and um, understand like how we can actually solve for it. I encourage everybody to get some help at Notion. We're very, very... Um, lucky that we have such great benefits with coaching and therapy and just like help all around and um, peer peer mentorship throughout the business. So I encourage everybody to do that or to reach out to HR as well, who's a great resource. Um, and me as a manager, what I can do, I think 
the most important thing I can do is give um, constant, kind, and direct feedback. If you understand where you're excelling and where your gaps are and what to do to actually overcome them or what to work towards to develop your skills and grow, then there is a lot less uncertainty. I think if you don't know how you're performing, if you don't know how you're doing, that's when you're like just spiraling and thinking, you don't, you don't know. Is this good? Is this not good? Am I good at this? How am I perceived throughout the business? So that's when, that's when a lot of insecurities are being born. And you can cut most of that, I want to say, by just being forefront, um, honest and uh, direct and just giving very specific and constant feedback. Now, it doesn't take everything away. I think imposter syndrome is um, unique to each individual and it's, it stems from insecurities that are outside of my control as a manager, which is why I really much encourage you to do the work on your own, to reach out um, to resources outside of you and see what works for you and how you can overcome and do your part um, really for, for growth. Self-awareness is so important, right? And I guess like going through the, the, the motions of understanding yourself and getting over these insecurities, it's a lifelong journey that we have to go through, especially as, as women do. So um, I wanted to ask, like, how has motherhood like changed your, your leadership style and the way that, that you work? Like, what are you learning about yourself and the way you work now that you're a mom? It's funny because I thought it would change a lot and it it hasn't really. I'm still the same person, but now I have different priorities at home. And um, I think, you know, I have, I don't want to say I have a good work-life balance. I want to say I have a work-life balance that works well for me. Um, and it might, it might look very different from someone else, but I, I feel good about where where that sits. Um, and I think one thing that has changed mostly since I've had the kid is probably my list of priorities. And then um, how I react to certain things. I think some things are less important or they feel like less of, a, you know, um, drama than it used to be before. It's like, okay, well, this happened cool, I have to pick up my kid. I'll think about it in the car. Like rather than I'm just going to stay at the office, I'm going to figure it out. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to compartmentalize and get back to it because no one's dying. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saving lives. I love my job. And uh, I think the things that we're doing are are wonderful. I think um, a notion we do, you know, make people's life easier and we'll help them get organized. And so, I mean, I do love what we do and I, I don't want to minimize the work, but it's also like that awareness of it's okay if it waits an hour. It's okay if this is something that you look into tomorrow. Just have good prioritization and and you'll get to it when it matters. So um, that that's mostly what has changed um, in, in my style. And then in terms of my leadership style, hasn't changed much because I think I was very mothering before <laughs> um, and uh, really empathetic. And so those are really like my traits. That's always something that this is always how I would have described myself um, growing up and also within my career. So um, I think if anything, maybe a little, a little bit more of that, but um, but no major changes. Speaking of changes, there's been a lot of change in, in the world of work and the way that 
people work and what they demand of their leaders. And I just wanted to ask as we like close our discussion, what to you is like are the most important qualities of a people leader um to effectively manage teams and and improve the employee experience. Yes, I will tell you what I look for um, in leaders. I first look for people who align with the company values and the team values. I think no one is going to be successful if we don't align on just the basic foundations. And um, I look for people that are empathetic. I look for people who actively listen, um, who want to learn, who have a growth mindset, uh, who are not afraid to ask questions, ask for help. Um, we're not afraid to take some risk and just think outside the box. Obviously, you look for different skill sets based on the job description itself. But um, if you're going to manage people, if I'm going to place people's lives into your hand, like from, you know, nine to five every day. Um, I want to make sure that you know how to listen, you know how to guide them, you know how to support Um so that's kind of like on the human side, uh, for sure. And then if you're a manager um, in my team, you also know how to drive performance and how to give direct feedback to people, how to develop them, how to help them achieve um, their goals through, you know, learning and growing within the company, within their role. So that's going to be very important as well. I think um, the best thing you can do to be an empathetic leader and to be kind and to really help people grow is to give them the tools to develop and to be challenged and to learn every day. And so there is like a really nuanced balance of um, being kind and also driving performance. Thank you for that, Emma. Thank you so much for your insights today. I am like learning a lot and really seeing parallels with what's happening with us and me too at Erudite. So thank you for being here. And it's been a pleasure learning from you and hearing from your experience. And lastly, congratulations on your new baby. And we wish you the best for your future endeavors and your team. Merci beaucoup. I hope I <laughs> Merci beaucoup. Thank you, Jenny. It was lovely to, to have this conversation with you today. Thank you for reaching out. I appreciate it. 